All right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter number two. Luke chapter number two. I hope you enjoyed a little bit of an extended uh, worship service, singing some of those very familiar and cherished Christmas songs. Uh, goes without saying, want to just thank publicly Pastor Andy and his work on pulling all of the extra songs and scripture readings and just the whole worship service together. So, Pastor Andy, thank you for your labor of love in that work. Uh, I, I enjoy oftentimes being in the congregation at, at certain moments. I, I kind of chuckled as uh, there was a scripture reading, and I could tell the kids were looking around, and the voice of the Lord sounds a lot like Troy Herman, you know? And uh, you know, that was just Brother Herman back there in the sound booth, but the kids were we're not understanding where in the world Troy was at, so uh, I got a, got a little chuckle out of that. But uh, this morning, I want to bring a message to you entitled, Hope Has Come. And over the last seven weeks, we have been journeying through this series, The Lineage of Hope. And uh, week after week, we have unfolded a number of different elements of what hope is and looking at some examples in the lineage of Christ that is recorded for us in Luke chapter number three. And we found time and time again that ultimately these Old Testament figures are looking forward to something better, someone better, and it's Jesus Christ. And as we gather together this morning, we get to celebrate Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, literally meaning God with us. What an incredible miracle that God has broken through the history of mankind and dwelt among us, thus making a way for us to be in relationship with the Father. Would you join me in prayer as we just ask the Lord to bless our time in the Word this morning? God, we come to you now. We just want to quiet our hearts and our minds. Oh, how we need to have a moment of just being still and knowing that you are God. And all the hustle and bustle of this Christmas season with family gatherings and Christmas dinners and presents and all kinds of other activities, I pray that we would not too, be too busy to forget the true meaning of Christmas. That even above all the family traditions and the fun times together, there is something much more significant for us to contemplate. It is Jesus Christ, your son, whom you sent on a mission with a purpose to seek and to save the lost. So God, I pray this morning as we open up your word, as we consider what Christ means for us, Pray that you would stir our hearts, you would change us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Again, the title of this morning's message is Hope Has Come. And as we finish out this series and close out this Advent season, I hope this will be somewhat of a, a crescendo as we finish out this series with this reality, this truthful statement that hope has come. Hope is a word that is used often in our culture and society. Maybe as you were discussing with your significant other or your spouse, maybe this morning you even used the word hope. Uh, maybe you said, I hope we get to church 
on time uh, this morning for Christmas Eve service. I see a few of you looking around. Uh, we're not keeping track of who was here on time and not, but uh, maybe, you, maybe you had hope that you would be to church on time, or maybe you said to your spouse, man, I hope uh, our little son or daughter, maybe I hope that they don't get anything dirty on that new Christmas outfit. Um, and if you're like my family, this one might resonate. I hope we can just get one Maybe just one good family picture before the day is over. And uh, hope is one of those words that we use often, but in in our our American sense and understanding of the word, it carries with it this idea of kind of wishful thinking. I hope something happens, but in the back of our mind, we know that it likely won't ever really happen. Have you ever used hope in that type of sense? The typical American hope, as we often see it, is void of action. It's missing the initiative to deploy a plan that will allow hope to what? Become a reality. That's what we want. When we say we hope something will happen, we're desiring for that outcome to come to fruition. But ultimately, oftentimes, we don't take action. We don't take steps. We don't think about a plan and deploy a plan so we can actually see that thing come to completion. Some of you here might remember a definition of hope years past uh, from a former elder at Liberty Hills Bible Church, Jeff Campa. Uh, Jeff and Amy are serving, or Jeff is serving as an army chaplain up in Anchorage, Alaska right now. Uh, So keep them in your prayers as they're away from friends and family during this Christmas time. But Jeff wants to find hope as this, this way. It is a confident expectation of a guaranteed future blessing. Some of you remember that definition? It's a confident expectation of a guaranteed future blessing. So when we declare in this Advent series that hope has come, we have this confident expectation of a guaranteed future blessing, not because of anything that we have done or anything that we can do, nothing that we can manufacture or create on our own doing, but we have a confident expectation of a guaranteed future blessing because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. You see, from a biblical perspective, Christians can truly experience hope in terms of a confident expectation. Hope for the believer is no wishful thinking. It is a guarantee why. Or maybe I should even ask how. Because, again, of the one with whom we have gathered on this eve of Christmas to celebrate and to worship. It's because of Jesus that we have a confident hope. Because Jesus has taken on flesh, because he is Emmanuel, God with us, because of this reality. And I use that word reality intentionally. Why? Because Jesus, his existence, his life, his identity, who he said he is, it is in question in our day. The secular thought, the postmodern philosophy would discredit who Jesus is and what he has done, but on this day. Sunday, December 24th, right here in Liberty, Missouri, at Liberty Hills Bible Church, we affirm that Jesus is who he said he is, the Christ, the Son of God, the one who has come and taken on flesh and made a way for sinners to be made right 
the eyes of God. This truly is wonderful hope. This Christmas, this Christmas message, excuse me, is no fairy tale. It's no fable. We are declaring, based off the truths of the inspired word of God, that Jesus has come. Hope has come. Because of that, we truly have hope. So a confident hope and a guaranteed hope. This entire Advent series, Lineage of Hope, has pointed us to someone better. This hope has stood the test of time, and throughout history, at times, this hope has wavered, right? This hope has been called into question. And at times, this hope was all but lost. We started with Adam. You remember that, looking forward to a better representative. Then we went on to Enoch, looking forward to a better righteousness. Noah, hoping in a better rescue yet to come in the person and work of Jesus. Moving on down, we examined Abraham and the better and eternal promises of God. We looked at Isaac, pointing us to a better resurrection. And Boaz, looking forward to a better redeemer. And then just last week, Brother Jim examined King David, pointing forward to the one true king and ruler, Jesus Christ. Hundreds and hundreds of years, God was at work in the waiting. And the anticipation was not wishful thinking or hopeful in the sense that it likely won't happen. This lineage is of one of hope. Why? Because there was a plan. God was active throughout history, generation after generation, to ensure this future hope became a present reality. So friends, this morning, hope truly has come and it changes everything. We've read Luke chapter 2 already this morning. I'm going to read it once more, if you would oblige me of that. And as we read this classic and very familiar Christmas passage from Luke 2, I hope and prayer is that we will truly linger in this beautiful and hope-filled text surrounding the birth of Jesus. Do you join me as we read Luke chapter number 2, verse number 1? In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he is of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth 
peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Hope has come. This morning, we're going to look quickly at three responses that by God's grace we should have concerning this reality of the birth of Jesus. Christmas is not just a holiday. It's a celebration of the gospel. The New Testament Greek word for the gospel is euangelion, which literally means what? Good news. The Christmas story is good news for us this morning. The question is, how should we respond? The first response is this. Because hope has come, we should recognize him for who he is. Because hope has come, recognize him for who he is. To truly understand the significance of this hope that is offered, we must recognize him for who he truly is. He is the son of God. Christmas time for many, myself included, and, and many others in this room, it's met with a little, bit of, a little bit of heartache. You feel that? Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you're going through a difficult trial. I know a number in our congregation, as I look around this evening, I know are going through hardships. Their heart is is heavy. As we gather together, we don't always feel like celebrating. Christmas doesn't feel like good tidings of great joy. When you've experienced loss and hardship, maybe you feel heartache, uncertainty, despair, anxiety. I pray this morning as we have sung praises to the Lord, as we have testified through scripture of who Jesus is and what God has done on our, my, on our behalf. I pray that you would be encouraged, that your heart would be uplifted even this morning. And ultimately, that we would see Jesus as the answer for all this and more. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 2, I read that text earlier. Do you remember this verse? The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has, has light shone. The reality of who Jesus is is understood in this contrast between light and darkness. Jesus has come, and John 1 even testifies this, that he came as light, right? And the darkness could not overcome this light. Rather, the light has overcome the darkness, that familiar verses of 6 and 7, this child that is born, he is, he is a wonderful counselor, mighty God, an everlasting father, the prince of peace. 
He's of the throne of David and his kingdom is established and he will uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. This is who Jesus is. He's not just a good man, a prophet, a good teacher who came and lived and walked and was recorded in history. No, Jesus is much more. He is the son of God. Recognizing Jesus rightly for who he is is of utmost importance. For some, I may be preaching to the choir. For others, maybe you're wrestling with who this Jesus is. Maybe you dabbled in religion. Maybe you've had one foot in Christianity and another foot in the world. And maybe you're searching after other things to bring joy and happiness and peace and satisfaction in your life. But ultimately, those things will come up empty. Why? Because the only thing that can fill that void in your life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. We are created to be in relationship with God the Father. Because of Jesus, he makes that possible. So the gospel then begins with recognizing Jesus rightly as Savior and Lord. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 17 say this. He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? His disciples answered, and they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ the son of the living God. Verse number 17, and Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Understanding who Jesus is, understanding who this hope is that has come is of utmost importance. And it's a personal question that each and every one of us must grapple with. So God, through the scriptures, ask us all this morning, who do you say that the Son of Man is? Who is Jesus? Who do you know him to be? Recognizing Jesus rightly is a work of the Lord on our behalf, just as testified in Matthew chapter number 16. So our first response is to recognize him for who he is. Our second response to this reality that hope has come is to understand him for why he came. Because hope has come, understand him for why he came. We've already read Matthew chapter number one, verse number 18, but I'm going to read this, this text again quickly, just again to immerse ourselves in this question of why did Jesus come? Why leave heaven? Why leave the right hand of the Father? Why come and take on flesh? Why humble yourself? Because Jesus was on a mission. There was purpose and meaning behind this life coming, taking on flesh, being born of the Virgin Mary. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18, we, we see this, this additional testimony through uh, the disciple Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus, excuse me, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. There was a scandal in Joseph's mind. 
This woman he was betrothed to Mary was unfaithful. Verse 20, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you should call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from, from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus, and they shall call his name Jesus. Why? because he will save his people from their sins. This is a beautiful testimony of Joseph. Can you put yourself in his shoes for a moment? Can you see and recognize the incredible miracle, the supernatural miracle? Can you relate from a human perspective of the responses and the emotions and the nuances that are playing out with Mary and and Joseph and this young couple who was looking forward to a life together and, and here God the Father has broke into the history of mankind, has chosen Mary to carry the Son of God, chosen Joseph to father, From an earthly sense, the Son of God, as he lived and walked and increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus gives us insight that Jesus came with purpose. And this is where we see a new facet of hope through the lens of God's faithfulness. Nearly 400 years of silence was right here broken. Hope was restored because God is faithful to keep his promises. So the starting point is recognizing him for who he is. The next step of understanding the gospel is understanding why Jesus came. In order to understand that, let's look at Jesus' words himself. Matthew 20, verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark chapter 2, verse 17, and when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. How thankful I am for that reality. What a gift this is. And kids, I want you to help me out here just for a moment. I'm sure in the next few hours, you might have the opportunity to open a gift or two, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Maybe you've already been scoping those gifts out under the tree. Maybe you've been giving them a little shake, right? Trying to figure out what it might be or what you were hoping that it might be. That's fun, isn't it? The anticipation of opening a gift, of receiving a gift. The question is this, but before you open that gift, kids, what do you have to do? Do you have to do a bunch of chores to get that gift under that tree? 
Do you have to pay mom and dad some money for that gift? That would be kind of odd, wouldn't it? I got a gift for you, but you got to pay me for it. Before you open that gift, you simply have to what? Help me, kids. What do you have to do? You have to simply take it, right? You have to receive that gift. If you had to pay something for that gift, it would cease to be a gift. So then how does one receive this gift the same way we receive any gift? We humbly realize that it is just that. It is a gift. It is simply a a gift of grace. It is just receiving something that that we don't really deserve, but it's it's just given to us. It is offered to us, and we simply have to receive this gift. No payment or or reimbursement is needed or expected. It is truly a free gift. I receive it. Understanding this gift represents not just a tradition or activity. It represents the most significant relationship. Jesus coming to earth, taking on flesh, being born in a major growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Jesus living a sinless life, living a perfect life and validating his deity by performing many signs, miracles and wonders in this Jesus. Fulfilling hundreds of Old Testament prophecies and clearly establishing himself as the long awaited for Messiah. And this Messiah willingly went to a cross shed his blood to atone for my sins and for yours. And it was there that he cried, it is finished. The work is done. No additional sacrifice is needed. This, friends, this morning is the gift that we celebrate in the personal work of Jesus. They took him from that cross, placed him in a borrowed tomb, and on the third day, Jesus victoriously rose from the dead, and in doing so, he defeated the very sin that held us captive. He defeated the grip of death so that we can have this hope. Just as he rose, we too will rise again to be with him for all eternity. Again, this is no fairy tale. This is no fable, no made-up story. This is truth from the pages of the inspired word of God. Our prayer this morning is that we would understand that this is the reality of why Jesus came. 2 Corinthians 8, verse number 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Not rich from a monetary perspective, but rich in the understanding of an inheritance that we have been given life through Jesus Christ. We are co-heirs with Jesus for all eternity. The final point that we'll look at quickly, the third reason. We should recognize him for who he is. We should understand him for why he came. Our final point this morning is three. Because hope has come, worship him for what he did. Worship him for what he did. Look at me at verse number 20 
of Luke chapter number two, looking back to that scene with the shepherds. Do you remember it? The shepherds returned, and what did they do? What was their response to all that had just unfolded before them? Verse 20 says, they returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Their response to seeing Jesus and recognizing him rightly for who he is. Their response was worship, thankfulness, gratitude, and praise. In a similar scene, we have the the wise men or the magi in, in Matthew 2, verse number 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and what did they do? They fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts and frankincense and myrrh. Recognizing Jesus rightly for who he is and truly understanding why he came will always produce a response of worship. The shepherds, these great wise men and magi, they all worshiped Jesus. What is worship? It's more than just singing a song or raising a hand. These are all outward expressions of ultimately the heart. Worship begins in the heart. Worship is surrender and submission. Worship is acknowledging Jesus for who he is and seeking by God's grace to ascribe the worth and value that is due him because of who he is. This is what we have humbly attempted to do this morning. Throughout our service and even right now as we hear the word of God and, and respond to the word of God. I wonder this morning if you could truly participate in the worship of Jesus in this way. Recognizing him rightly as Savior and Lord. Understanding why he came. Is your response of your heart this morning surrendered worship? 1 John chapter number 4, verses 9 and 11. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world. Why? So that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. What does it look like to receive this love from the Father that was expressed through the personal work of Jesus? Romans chapter number 10, verses 9 and 10 declare, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's recognizing him for who he is, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's understanding why he came. You will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Because hope has come, recognize him for who he is. Because hope has come, understand him for why he came. And because hope has come, worship him for what he did. Hope has come, and it changes everything. Let's pray together this morning. God, we come to you now. We just want to celebrate 
this wonderful work that you have done on our behalf. We thank you for sending your son Jesus to take on flesh, to give of his life, to shed his blood, to go to a cross, to be placed in a tomb, to rise again on the third day, defeating sin, death, and hell. We thank you that if we place our faith in Jesus, we can have life. God, I pray as we have been confronted with who Jesus is, I pray that we could testify. As the title of the message declares, hope has come.